Uh, we're going to have the same reading as last Sunday, which is from 1 Peter chapter 2 and the first 10 verses. We're going to highlight just one thing uh, for the purpose of the theme of the sermon. I know it's a familiar term, but wherever you find the word therefore, you know it's a link with what's been said, with what's going to be said. It's a reminder to all of us that all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of the field. Our time in this world is very short indeed. In the light of that, what sort of people ought we to be in the light of our calling? And that's the theme then of chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And what Peter proceeds to do now is to give a, a multiplicity of uh, illustrations um, to highlight this challenge. Verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Well, we've been doing this uh, um, series by asking the question, uh, who do you think you are? And we started off with Philip Hewer, who spoke about um, a member of Christ's body. And then uh, last Sunday, who do you think you are? A priest, God's temple. And uh, tonight, who do you think you are? A stone 
in God's building. And next Sunday evening, Keith Sival will be speaking, uh, who do you think you are, soldier in God's army. Who do you think you are? It depends really how you ask the question. Or it could be put uh, perhaps another way. I heard a true story of um, British Airways flight. A man was uh, in the club, that's the posher part of the plane, and was rather a demanding passenger, giving the stewards uh, quite a, a difficult time. And at one point, he remonstrated with them and said, Do you know who I am? Do you? Do you know who I am? And the irate steward made an announcement, something like this. The man standing up is asking, does anybody know who he is? If you want to help him, let me know. I thought that was... That was a quick of her, wasn't it? You know. Right. Well, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? We've considered uh, being... Uh, the role of being a priest. We are all priests. We are a kingdom of priests. And the point we try to make, and it's a very important one, and it's this, that in the old covenant, God's people had a priesthood. In the new covenant, God's people are a priesthood. We don't have priests anymore. We are priests, all of us. And Jesus Christ is our great high priest. So, we are priests in the same temple. We have that in verses 5 and 9. Uh, Secondly, you will see from verses 2 and 3, and this is an important thing about the church, uh, we are children in the same family. We are all priests in the same temple. We are children in the same family. And you see that in verse 2 and 3. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander. Here it is. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. In spiritual terms, if you like, we've got the same blood group, the same DNA, the same genes, the same parentage. We belong. We belong together. So we are children in the same family. But what we're interested in tonight is just this uh, phrase then, that we are stones in the same building. And with that we focus on verses 4 to 8. Look at this. As you come to him, the living stone, capital, rejected by men, chosen by God, and precious to him. You also like living stones. So first of all, the title is given to the Lord Jesus, and now it's given to his people. We are, by grace, through faith, living stones in the same building. Now, this metaphor extends, and all you need to do is just read it for yourself. The reference to building is quite extensive here. Uh, throughout in verses 4 and 8 and beyond. It extends throughout here in terms of 
uh, a building or being built together. Christ, of course, is the cornerstone, the capstone. Also, sometimes the phrase is used, he's also the foundation on whom we build. However, we are living stones who make up this spiritual house, make up the building. It would be useful to turn to um, Matthew's Gospel just to see, and, and I'm sure that Peter would have had this uh, in mind. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Um, we've no PowerPoint, Sarah, have we? We haven't. Okay. Right. No, I assumed you did. Um, okay. Nope. Right. Matthew, uh, this is going to be one of these evenings, I think. We've no organist, no PowerPoint. Matthew 16. Uh, 13, chapter 16, verse 13. Here is Peter. Uh, he was often the spokesman, as you know. That's a feature of his character. And in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They, some said John the Baptist, Elijah, and one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of, John, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it, and so on and so forth. It isn't uh, too much later that this remarkable confession on which the church would be built as to who Jesus Christ is, that Jesus has to rebuke him. You see it in verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. And this is a play on words here now. Don't forget, Jesus is the rock. Okay, you, Peter, play on his name as well, are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And I'm sure, without reading too much into this, as you come back to, uh, to Peter, that Peter would have had this encounter with Jesus, where he was publicly rebuked. And there's a play on words that Peter's name means stone, and so on and so forth. But now, he is a stumbling block, a hindrance. But this is the point of what we are being told here. Each time someone turns to Jesus Christ and confesses their need of him as their saviour, another stone is, if you like, quarried from the mire like diamonds are, if you see these uh, work workers in Zimbabwe in terrible conditions, working in, 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 in dark, dank conditions, looking for precious stones. It's a picture out of the ravages of humanity, Jesus quarrying living stones, precious stones, into his building. God's building. Now, let's stop for a moment. Notice, we don't arrive on measured pallets of stone, or actually of bricks, like London bricks, or imperial measured bricks. It's always been a source of um, amazement to me that it, sometimes when people talk about someone who's really good, reliable, practical, and helpful, someone will say about them, do you know, 
they're a real brick. And I thought, I don't know if I'd want to be called a brick, would you? I mean, it's a funny quirk of the English language, really. He's a brick. What we should say is, no, he or she is a living stone. A living stone. Part of this living building. I say that simply for this reason. We're not all the same. If you look at London bricks, if you look at the standard blocks, breeze blocks or whatever, they're all the same. They have to be. But when Jesus builds his church, we are all, by definition, the opposite to being the same. We are different, very different indeed. And if any of you have seen, and people can do evening classes now on uh, dry stone wall repairs, many of them in uh, parts of the country, particularly the Cotswold area, um, that you can do a course, and there you have a pile of Cotswold stones. And what you have to do is to look at them and you have to chip a bit off and shape this and, and, and work with what you've got. It's not like simply a bricklayer taking it and putting it in like that. Now that's what Jesus is doing. If you like, he's the stonemason. He's the master builder. He knows what he's doing. He's got the end in sight and he's taking very raw material to do this. Each one of us is different. Or you could say... Each one of us is unique. And I hope it's not presumptuous that each one, as we have it in the language here of the Bible, is precious. It's precious. So what a stonemason does with stones, Jesus does with people. We are living stones. Okay, what's the implication of this? And just to try to have two headings and a couple of conclusions. First of all, Jesus himself is a living stone. You, you, you see that in verse 4. As you come to him, this Lord Jesus, notice, the living stone. Well, what's he like? Well, he's rejected by men. So it's an echo of Isaiah 53, despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. Yet, he's a precious stone. What is the perspective here? And well, look at this, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And here the metaphors now overlap on last week. We are priests in his temple. We are stones in his building. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And there's a quotation here from Psalm 118. Actually, no, for the sake of time we won't, won't look at it. Let me just read it here then. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So as we trust in him, there's a sense of being affirmed. And there is something happened to us. Verse 7. You who believe this stone is a precious stone. More precious than diamond. More precious than gold. But to those who do not believe. The stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Jesus is a living stone. Verse 4, because he was raised from the death, from, from, from the grave, 
victoriously. What Peter does here is to quote this Psalm 118 verse 22. Jesus, though chosen by God, precious to God, is rubbished by people. If you wanted to, you could think of the most expensive diamond that would embellish the, the, the crown of the queen and for somebody to take that and throw it into a skip. That's the extremity that we have here. Here is something that is of great value, of intrinsic value, and yet for others rejected by men. People stumble over this Messiah, and people still do. Instead of Jesus being the stepping stone into heaven, it's strong language here. Now Jesus is the stumbling block to hell. It's not extraordinary. The stone is still precious. It's how people value that or don't. That's a very humbling thing, isn't it? People stumble over this Messiah. He doesn't fit into their understanding of who he should be, particularly the Jewish people. Instead of Jesus being a stepping stone into heaven, a stumbling stone, or as Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block. You're a hindrance. Get out of the way. And the real cause of this stumbling, what is it? Then and now. Well, look, look in verses 7 and 8. Do you believe he's precious? But to those who do not believe. And in verse 8, they stumble because they disobey the message. Which is also what they were destined for. The gospel is freely available but at great cost, and we need to make our response. People who refuse to believe God's word and reject Jesus as their Savior. And whatever the prophets of doom might say, whatever the cynics, skeptics of this world, the church of Jesus Christ continues to grow and for people, some of whom, oftentimes, in many parts of the world, he is precious but precarious. For to confess him may well mean they are rejected from their homes and families and face incredible persecution. As, many of, as a consequence of the Arab Springs, many churches have been burned, pastors taken out and killed. He is nonetheless precious. He is nonetheless precious. Jesus is a living stone. But secondly, Christians are living stones. Uh, it's not the purpose of the sermon to say, aren't we good, aren't we nice? Often we are not. But we are precious to him. For he loved us and died to save us. Christians are living stones. So, who do you think you are? Well, you could say, I'm a living stone. I'm a living stone. You might want to say, I'm not a rolling stone. Here today, gone tomorrow. As a result of saying, I'm a living stone, there are two things. I believe, I belong. 
I've responded to Jesus. I relate to his people. That's how it is. That's how it is. And I am part of a spiritual house. And if we are unique, then surely we bring unique prayers and sacrifices. Look again at verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's what we are. A spiritual house. Just a couple of practical implications then. The first. Let me ask you this question. There's not many of us here tonight, but nevertheless. Uh, from verse 7, you, from what we've said already, having come to faith in Jesus Christ, you're a living stone. Okay. Three implications. Number one. Are you fitting in? Are you fitting in? As the divine stonemason starts to work on you and begins, if you like, to change you or to put you into a different place. I remember when I was doing my apprenticeship, I saw a stonemason working of several days. And indeed, if you go out here, you'll see that lovely uh, Cotswold wall that's been built. And I saw them working there. I was interested to talk to the builders. Here's this pile of stones that arrive. And they say, no, no, we'll put this. And they sort things out and they move things around. Are you fitting in? Do you function in such a way that you can offer spiritual sacrifices. Peter makes reference to this. Just turn over one page in 1 Peter 4 and verse 8, for instance. Just think about the church. What do we mean by fitting in? Well, what do we like to relate with? To uh, 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Criticism exposes them. Love covers them. Now, how does this work in practice? Well, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I was preparing this sermon and Hannah's chief bridesmaid came from Canada with her sister and invited herself to stay an extra week. And I have to say I had been so busy, having been away in a pile of stuff to do, two sermons to prepare, uh, go to Stoke Mandeville, go to High Wycombe, go to the uh, John Radcliffe Hospital and so on. And, it was, and these visitors were very demanding. And as I was preparing this, I had this cross-reference. And there it is. Look at that. It's the problem when you work from home. People think you haven't got anything to do with your time, which is... So, there you are, look. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I grumbled to Hannah. I didn't grumble to those other folk. Each one of you should use whatever gift he or she has received to serve one another faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. That's the point. Do you fit in? Do we fit in? That's a real practical implication of uh, belonging uh, to one another. 
Try to put it like this. Just try to see this implication. Um, Yet we've received grace individually. We've made our personal commitment to Jesus Christ. That is, is cultivated by our worship, being here, being nurtured like that. But this is the point. Unless we are a vital part of a functioning body, the spiritual house, I doubt whether we would be able to grow as well. We certainly wouldn't be as balanced as Christians as we ought to be. We are still individuals, angular, awkward, not fitting in. Well, you see, the implication is obvious. Are you fitting in? Secondly, are you prepared for change? It's a bad word for lots of people. Are you prepared for change? Come back to uh, 1 Peter 2 and look at verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. You are on a journey of change. And from time to time you need to receive mercy. Think of these dry stone walls again. The Cotswold walls that we have around us. They need maintenance. They break down. There's erosion. And often the sheep come through the gaps and there's chaos and danger. We're like that. We need maintenance. A pile of stones need to be sorted out. Gaps in the wall need to be repaired. Are we fitting in? Are we prepared for change? Are we prepared, if you like, for the rough edges to be chipped off? It's what the New Testament calls sanctification. And uh, going back to these friends who stayed too long in our home and were exceedingly demanding, my only hope was that it would have a sanctifying effect on me if for no other reason. It can work like that. The edge is being chipped off. Are you prepared for change? It's the danger, of course, of stagnation. We like things the way that they are. But there's the danger that we get stuck. We can do that in work. We can do that in the home, in our marriages, with our families. And we can do it in church. Are you fitting in? Are you prepared for change? And lastly, are you bearing the load? These walls are built in a progressive way. And if there are weaknesses, the structure can be impaired. Look at verse 5 again. You also, like living stones, look, are being built into a spiritual house. It's a journey, it's a progress. Sometimes we'll say to people, won't we, with our faults, ah, I'm a work in progress. Yes, you are. You're a living stone. But are you bearing the load? Are you bearing the load? Just let's look at one final reference. And if you turn back to Hebrews, about three pages... And you come to Hebrews 10. And this is a verse that is often used of people who are a bit lax at coming to church. But I don't think that's the correct view of thinking about it. 
Stay with it within this context. And with this we're going to conclude. Right? Are you bearing the load? Sharing it. Sharing the burden, if you like. Look at Hebrews 10 and verse 19. This is the call to persevere. Perseverance. Bearing the load. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened through us, for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, well then, now then, as priests in God's temple, as stones in his building, let's draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Okay, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That is more than just saying, why don't you come to church more often? What it is saying is this, why don't you bear the Lord? Share it out with others. It's more than attending more meetings, if you like. It is about being church. That we are together, the living stones in this living building. It's part of our corporate experience. One another, relating, sharing, working, worshipping. Who do you think you are? Well, we are stones, living stones, in God's building. Do you fit in? If not, why not? Are you prepared for change? If the master builder takes you to another part of the wall, are you prepared to bear the load? And that is a source of us being a blessing to others. So, who do you think you are? Do remember, you're a living stone offering spiritual sacrifices, pleasing to God. We're just going to have a prayer and then Rob will, and uh, Roger will lead us in a final song today.